Hey folks, Jeff Saul's been here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. I am happy to be with you today. Beautiful day here in Boulder. I am taking next week off. I just want to make that announcement, particularly for those of you who listen live. Um, we have some additional postings. I'm a bit backlogged. And, um, and the truth is that I would actually like to have a week to work in my garden. So that's what I'm going to do. But until then, back to the mines. And today, I want to talk about an integral principle, uh, a feature of human and cultural development that I'm noticing coming up a lot, uh, even in my own podcasts. And I'm going to illustrate it by using a cartoon from last week's New York uh, New Yorker magazine. So this will be a, a direct transmission of, of, of this truth and humor before I ruin the humor by describing it. So here it is. All right. So I know that some of you are listening to this in a podcast. So here's what we have. We have a cartoon of two guys who are sitting at a counter. One is just a regular guy in a shirt and tie drinking a Starbucks coffee out of the paper cup that we all know. And the other, <laughs> the other one is a Viking with a Viking antler hat and a huge ax and a beard and armor. And he has a skull in front of him that he is drinking out of. And the Viking is saying to the Starbucks guy, not to lecture, but the skull of your fallen enemy is reusable and much less wasteful. Not to lecture, but the skull of your fallen enemy is reusable and much less wasteful than the cup, of course. So that's funny, right? And, um, and what's funny, and now, now we'll start examining, so we'll, we'll, we'll leach the humor out of it. Let me go back to... Stop share. All right. All right. So we'll talk about humor just briefly, but what makes this car cartoon funny is that on this on the face of it, both things, there's there's two things that are true. And yet they're completely in conflict with each other. And that's the essential absurdity that is brought out. And one truth is that the statement that the Viking is making is on its face true. The skull of your fallen enemy is indeed reusable and much less wasteful than a big Starbucks cup with a plastic lid and the cardboard cup holder thingy that we're just going to toss it away when we're done and have another one tomorrow. And so that's one true thing. And the second thing that is funny is that a Viking would never say such a thing because Vikings are coming from, you know, a red warrior, maybe early traditional stage of development, very tribal, ethnocentric, um, reuse, recycle. These are world-centric aspirations of a global sustainability consciousness that comes online at green post-modernity. So it's funny that a Viking would say that or even be there with this Starbucks guy. And the whole thing is absurd. And this is, you know, a theory about the spiritual potency of humor in general, is that it points out the 
essential absurdity of life in the sense that it tears a hole in the illusion that we have that life is supposed to make sense in the ways that we think it's supposed to make sense. And that rip in the fabric of our delusion allows us to momentarily see into eternity, you know, through the hole. And that experience is so powerful that we literally can't help but have a physiological response, and that is laughter. And it's a, a release and a relief. And, um, and so, you know, the integral lesson that this cartoon points out is that in development, you can't really skip a stage. You can't have a Viking talking in terms of a postmodern consciousness. You can't have a nine-year-old talking in terms of a 35-year-old. Uh, you, you, you can, sometimes they'll gust there, but, you know, it's not what we're, you know, not what we see. And um, so you can't skip a stage. That's one of the truisms of development. Is, and, and yet, in our modern world, for the first time in history, you know, you know, for the last 50 years intensely, maybe 100 years, but we're called on to encounter different ways of thought, different worldviews, different stages, different antenna, different cultures in ways that we have never before had to do. And it's disorienting. It's also fertile. But, you know, there's, a, there's an integral lesson in here, and that's what I want to focus on. So to start, we'll look at a couple of the principles of Ken Wilber's aqua model. And that is that we think in terms of development in two major ways, in terms of the development of our states and in terms of our development of our levels or stages of growth. So let's look at states first and just get them out of the way because we want to talk about stages. States are temporary and ever-changing. I just talked, we just had an experience of a state, the state of humor, of that cartoon. And, you know, there are many ways that we can find that same state, that same rip in the fabric of time and space and to feel that merge with essential oneness and, and, and you know, meditation, we can do it with drugs until that stops working, uh, travel, nature, anytime you get your mind blown. But then it's over and basically life goes on. You keep a little shred, you keep a little onion skin that sort of all, you know, accumulates and, and we say tr states become traits eventually. But this is the process of just a basic waking up and it's a you know ever-changing process and there's lots to say about it but i just want to put that on the table as one thing uh and just as an example the chances are that that you're not having the same experience of humor that you did when you first heard the joke or the cartoon so that is the one part of 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 development and we call that waking up. The other part is the part of growing up. And growing up happens both in the individual and the culture at large. So do states, actually, but let's look at stages. And, um, and it, in stages, people and cultures move through in a specific order. Uh, acorns become 
seedlings become saplings become oaks. Children become adolescents, become adults, become elders. And cultures move through stages in specific orders. And one of the projects of one's own integral practice or integral analysis is to try to see the parts of oneself that may not be as well under is, it is may not be as well installed as they should be because or could be because you know if we're at the fifth or sixth stage of development there's a lot that had to come online to be and be stable at these earlier stages and to to the degree that they're not well installed this is true again individually and culturally to the degree that they're not well installed is the degree that we live a less healthy life. And, you know, and in this, like I said, this theme has been coming up a lot. I did a talk with Dr. Keith Witt, a shrink of the pundit talk last week, where we talked about building healthy children. And he was talking about just how important the infant's experience of secure attachment is. And to know that it is seen and loved and cared for. And if that doesn't happen, that that's a big wound that, you know, causes as an essential instability as we continue to grow through life. And it made me happy about my partner, Chuck, who's just become a grandfather and how wonderful and well-loved this little, you know, four-month-old boy is. And... You know, in a sense, that's the tribal stage of development. It is. It's, it's the, you know, magenta stage in terms of uh, Ken's Aqua maps. And that's tribal. And the key at tribal is to just know that you belong, that you're supposed to be here and you're valued and you're loved and you're lovable and all of that good stuff. And the best therapy I know of for reinstalling that or getting in touch with that, and it was important for me, and it's important to all of us, really, is, um, is voice dialogue therapy, where you actually deal with your little inner Jeff and your little inner child, and you hold them on your lap, and you do all these things. And there is a, um, you know, there's something that is um, brought on, brought forth by that. So that I was thinking about the conversation I had with Warren Farrell about the boy crisis. And this is really more of a red crisis. Uh, he talked about that the, you know, the various markers by which boys are falling behind girls in terms of development and achievement, particularly in academics, uh, but in other ways too. And he boiled it down using research and you know, his uh, you know, analysis that the, the number one feature was that uh, a boy didn't have a father. And a father, or at least a father energy, a father surrogate, who was providing what fathers traditionally provide, which is challenge, limit setting, physical roughhousing. And and he points out that in some ways, our culture has moved towards the feminine pole in a way that is good for women, but de detrimental for boys uh, in ways that we are not aware of. 
And that's his thesis. And that is, you know, I think an important piece of the puzzle that we want to be aware of. And, and it's continued, actually, when I think about the podcasts I've been doing recently, with the podcasts I did about Jordan Peterson, the hot new public intellectual who has written a big best-selling book called uh, 12 Rules for Life, which has hit a huge nerve, particularly among uh, 20-something men who have not had traditionalism well installed. You know, so it's organized around discipline, self-respect, discernment, uh, obedience. And, and Peterson's in at least this book, you know, and his audience is, you know, working on this traditional to modern move. And he makes sort of these traditional, like, get off your ass and make something of yourself. Make your bed, stand up straight. Uh, with your shoulders back, you know, be a man, you know, be a person. A lot of women turned on to, to this. But it, it's, it doesn't have a, an appeal to authority. It's not because God said so. Uh, he talks about God does say so, but it's mainly because you want to be what you could be. You want to make the best of yourself. This is a modern view. And that's, you know, just like he has a million uh, 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 Facebook uh, subscribers to his channel. He's a huge sensation. And you could see why. Uh, there's a couple ways that people can lack traditional values. One is if they're raised in an environment where their center of gravity was pre-traditional. That is, there was no father. There was no father figure. There was chaos. There was an absence of rules and discipline. And the other way you can not get traditionalism installed is by being raised by postmodern parents who have a little bit of a disdain for traditional values. And I was talking to one of my friends. Uh, he said, that's me, you know, and he has a 24-year-old son who's into Jordan Peterson, and he couldn't be happier because he knows that that is, um, you know, what he needs. So that, again, this is the, the, the it, it, it's both the curse of our time that we live in a stage of development that, you know, we've been unmoored by, you know, families and tribes and, and we, we moved away and we don't know our neighbors and we're confused by all of our choices. We feel unsupported, not, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of downside of modernity and post-modernity and the culture that we live in. And, you know, so what do we do about that? And how do we, you know, refine and, and move forward with this sense of belonging? And it has been pointed out, um, well, and I want to move to the collective expression of this. Uh, it's been pointed out that, um, you know, American politics is defined more than anything by what people are increasingly calling tribalism. And, and, and that's actually where we're finding that deep sense of resonance and belonging with, is, is with other people who actually share our worldview. Are traditional, modern, modern's a little less polemical, a little less ideological, but 
you know, postmodern, very ideological, traditionalism, very ideological, both fighting for the soul of modernity, you know, and that's what's happening. And so people are identifying their tribes as the people who share their stage of development and worldview. And, um, you know, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I have two cheers for polarization in, in the sense that it is a stage on the path of growth. I'm not going to get into this too much, much because I've talked at length about it in past podcasts. But polarization is a stage on the path in the sense that before there can be a true integration, this is a principle of evolution, before there can be an integration, there has to be a clear differentiation. We have to see what's what, what's who's who, and, and, and have that be very clear and well laid out. And then we can have an integration. And that's, you know, what's happening. The other thing I would say is that at the center of gravity that we're at, our war or our culture war is largely nonviolent. By any historical standards, the violence is gone. And that's in contract, contrast to actual tribalism, where, you know, it was pretty brutal. So... So, so at any rate, how do we move forward? What, what, what's the next move? What is, what is the continued differentiation integration that society needs? And there are a lot of people thinking about this now. Uh, I actually think that a lot of people have caught up with integral thinking. I think that, that you know, the circumstances, and, and that's what, you know, the theory says is that life conditions call forth a new stage of consciousness. That's the history of development. And life conditions are such that, um, well, the big book that was just released last week is called The Suicide of the West. And it is by Jonah Goldberg. And the subtitle is How the Rebirth of Tribalism, Populism, Nationalism, and Identity Politics is Destroying uh, American Democracy. And... um, and I saw, I didn't read the book. Uh, I have ordered it, but um, I saw a lengthy interview with him on Morning Joe. And I thought, you know, I thought he was really good in the sense of, you know, defining the problem. And, and even the sort of, the, 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 he has a very homely solution that I, I love. That, and I'll actually uh, share a little bit. Uh, I, I think somebody could say it better than I can. And that's John Podereth, who's one of my favorite columnists, and he's reviewing uh, Jonah Goldberg's book, Suicide of the West, which he calls um, the book of the year. So there's a, there's a good uh, testimonial. Um, and he writes, odd as it is to say of a work with such a title, Suicide of the West, this is an exhilarating call to arms in defense of what is highest and best in our civilization. Goldberg, a veteran National Review editor, so Goldberg's a conservative, but an intellectual never Trump conservative, has taken it upon himself to call out members of both the right and left whose descent into tribalism threatens to destroy democratic capitalism and the unprecedented bounty of the system that is gen- that generated since uh, Enlightenment thinking 300 years ago. And so here's what he says. He says, Goldberg's proposed remedy for tribalism 
is at once simple and so difficult, it seems unimaginable. And that is, he wants to resuscitate gratitude for our peculiar political economic inheritance. An inheritance so special, he calls it the miracle. And he uses a capital M. So that is Goldberg's uh, idea. And it's, you know, it's a conservative idea. It's just beautifully expressed uh, that we need to have gratitude and appreciation for the, you know, fruits of the enlightenment, which is humanism and rationality and science and logic and law and all of those things. Uh, and that there has, there was a, there's a postmodern uh, hegemony in academia that emphasizes the oppressive uh, uh, colonial, you know, the, the, that side of the street. Both sides are true, but we need to have the appreciation side brought back online. So that's, that's Jonah Goldberg's idea. Uh, and, and so I, I want to share a little bit from another review from this time from David Brooks. And David Brooks, this is a, a conservative columnist, sort of conservative, for the New York Times. And he called it an epic debate-shifting book as well. But he wasn't 100% positive. He says, excessive individualism is our problem, not romanticism. This is David Brooks' critique of, of Goldberg. He says, history lessons alone won't be the cure. What Goldberg misses is that individuals in a democratic society need to feel bonded to one another through networks of association that begin at the level of family and community. Today, excessive individualism has weakened those social units leaving people feeling distrustful and alone. This is that move into modernity. We must, this is Brooks, therefore, rebuild families and communities first. Gratitude is too weak a glue to hold a diverse nation together. As if Goldberg was saying gratitude was the only thing. Whatever. We want all of it. And from an integral perspective, we don't want to go back to anything. We want to go, maybe we want to go back and bring forth what we left behind, but it comes in a new uh, integration. And that, you don't hear that so much. And as a result, these ideas of we have to bring gratitude back, we have to get back to the family. It's like, leaves me cold, leaves a lot of people cold. It's like, wh what do you mean? You know, we're growing, we're moving forward. Human beings don't go back. We don't maybe have that figured out. We don't say that, but we feel it. We're not going back anywhere. And we could see this arising uh, around the world, actually. We, there's so much attention about the arising of the strong man uh, in, in terms of these autocratic rulers. And what's often missed is that these guys are popular. You know, you talk about Putin and, and Xi Jinping and Erdogan and Turkey and Orban and Hungary. They get legitimate, huge majorities of people who support them. 
and uh, it's harder to know in China, but according to people who are doing, you know, the kind of research that researchers do in China, Xi Jinping is very popular. And, and what that signifies from an integral perspective is that this headlong installation of modernity in cultures where we were going to go global and multicultural, uh, there's a whole lot of people who didn't want to do that. They don't want to be multicultural. They want to be cultural. They want Turkishness. They want Hungarianness. They want Chineseness. They want Russianness. And that needs that. That's the project they're working on. And um, and it ain't pretty. There's you know aspects of it that are um, quite distasteful to people who have you know solidly installed the ideas of the rights of individuals and so forth, and a free press and laws not men and all of that good stuff that you know we'll see because. In terms of, you know, this backlash that the, you know, huge traditional strata of people are saying, stop, no, we're not going there just yet. We did it too here in the United States with the election of (sighs) Donald Trump as the president of the United States. So, you know, Here, we're going to see if the modern context holds. I suspect it will. The the whole thing was written in, you know, uh, in anticipation of a Trump coming along. So we'll see if it works uh, because he's testing it. Uh, But otherwise, we have to have a different, um, we have to sort of reimagine, you know, how cultures uh, evolve how people evolve, and in this crazy world where so much is online and different strata are moving faster and moving further and further away, you know, the globalists moving further and further away from their traditionalist brethren. Um, You know, this is also, you know, in ourselves where we find ourselves having you know, not installed these values that are so important to, you know, feeling like a person who's seen and loved and cared for and part of a group and a tribe. And I don't exactly know how that's going to look, but that's the project that we're working on. No, that's, uh, you know, I mean, there are lots of examples of, you know, how we evolve in ways that are out of whack. But Integral theory does help us see. Oh, I know what I was going to say. That there is uh, another one of the podcasts that I did uh, this time uh, with uh, Rob Smith, who's the CEO of Integral Life, and Ross Hostetter, who is my old partner on the Integral Center here in Boulder. Uh, and we were talking about the new um, social codes, this good citizenship scores that are being installed in China, where there's a whole, you know, big data, it's called big data in little China, and how big data in China is scoring people, they're doing all these different um, uh, test cases of how to score people in terms of did they jaywalk, uh, are they, you know, paying their taxes, and that there is, you know, that's sort of the communal communist way 
of moving people into modernity so that they're, quote, good citizens. And I'm not sure that's all bad. It's sort of Orwellian. And, you know, we definitely had differences of opinion on the uh, on the uh, on the podcast and you can listen to it. But I think we need to get our arms around the possibilities of new ways. In fact, this is one of the things that Rob Smith talked about, that there may be a couple ways that people move into centers of gravity, modern and postmodern cultures. One is the individual rights way, and one is the communal way. I don't know. Maybe there's an integration from there. But, um, you know, that's what we're doing here, apparently. All right. Well, that's it for now. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again on The Daily Evolver. I will be back again live on Friday uh, and then next week off. All right. Thanks, folks. 